Acts chapter 4, verse 11. The words of the Apostle Peter in response to a question to him. This is the stone which was set at naught, set aside of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject anchored in Jesus, and you may be seated. I have a teaching nature, so let me review just a little bit. The month of February, we're talking about anchors. Anchors keep you from drifting. And I've spoken this month on the anchor of trust, the anchor of truth, the anchor of our identity in Jesus Christ, and today, anchoring in Jesus I have a story that I really appreciate my wife bringing to my attention. I not remember this story, did not plan to tell this story, but because she was afraid I would tell this story, she slipped and mentioned it. When we had just been married a few years before our children, uh, I borrowed a little John boat, an aluminum boat, and we went fishing at Lake Dockery in Jackson, Mississippi. Thank you, Theory Austin, for loaning me your boat and trolling boat or an anchor. So we're fishing rather shallow lake. There's a lot of grass in that lake. And uh, somewhere along the line, the anchor was snagged. We wanted to move, and the anchor was tangled up in the grass or something like that. I was in the back of the trolling motor. We were pretty young. So I just said, you know, baby, just, just pull in the anchor. And when she pulled on the anchor, nothing happened. It was just stuck there. So she gave a little stronger tug to try to break the anchor loose from the weeds or wherever it was stuck on the bottom, and still nothing much happened. So she kind of stood up in the front of that little boat, and she gave it a mighty heave-ho, and when she did, the anchor gave loose. And when it did, the boat lurched, and she launched into Lake Dockery, and she was flailing, and she's a good swimmer, she was flailing, and begging for help, and the grass in the lake was wrapped around her legs, and help me! And there I was, sitting in the boat, laughing so hard, I could not move. I didn't figure she would drown that fast, so I thought I might as well enjoy <laughs> this moment. And uh, we were at a wedding till late last night, got home real late from our nephew's wedding. She's watching online right now, and I'm in big trouble when I get home. But it was one of the funniest things that have ever happened in our entire life. Most of the time, you want an anchor that doesn't let go until you want it to let go. And I want to show you today, by the Word of God, that Jesus Christ is an anchor you can count on. He's an immovable object in your life who will keep you from drifting. Now typically we see anchor and we think of a ship's anchor, one tied to a rope dropped in the water. But an anchor is much more than that. An anchor is anything that holds another object firmly. An anchor can be a person or thing that provides stability or confidence in an otherwise uncertain situation. So in the Bible, 
the scripture I read and many others, refer to Jesus Christ as a cornerstone. So I want to shift you away from a nautical anchor to see something that anchors a building. That's the metaphor in the Bible, the idea of a cornerstone that is an anchor point for a building. For centuries in ancient construction, the very first stone that was laid in a masonry building was the cornerstone. It was laid first in a strategic location and the building would go from there in whatever directions it would be laid. Every stone that was laid horizontally down the line would be measured back to the cornerstone. And as layer upon layer of cut stone would be laid, it would be measured vertically with a plumb line back down to the cornerstone so the stones were not jutting out or inserted into the structure so that that building would be strong and stand. That building was tied together at the cornerstone. And the cornerstone became the reference point for every other stone that was laid in the building. Their placement was determined by the cornerstone. So I think you get this idea that in building a building, the cornerstone had a vital place. It was at the head of the corner, and it was the most strategic stone in all the building. In the Old Testament, the Bible is clear to point out that the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be the cornerstone of the kingdom of God. In Psalm 118, the Bible says that it was the stone that the builders refused that has become the headstone of the corner. So we see the setting up of the story, something that God intends to be the cornerstone that will be rejected by people who are building a building of sorts. In Zechariah, the Bible said that out of him, out of God, came forth the corner, and out of God came a nail. In Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah 8.13, the Lord said, Sanctify the Lord Himself, and let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. And He shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel. We're referring to a time when the kingdom was divided, the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. For a gin, which means a trap, and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. So from Isaiah chapter 8, we learn that there's a cornerstone. It will be rejected. And as a, rejo as a, re uh, as a consequence of that rejection, these people will pay a very dear price. In Isaiah 28, we see a similar setting about the cornerstone. Now this is 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. It looks forward to the coming of Jesus. And the northern kingdom of Israel has already collapsed. The southern kingdom of Israel is on the verge of collapse, of Judah, is on the verge of collapse. And the rulers of the southern kingdom of Judah, this is all God's people, the Jews, they get real arrogant and they start saying things of God. They do in the Old Testament what would happen in the New Testament, the rejection of the one that came to him. And this is going on. 
Isaiah 28. He said, they, they're kind of saying to God, we struck a bargain to cheat death. And we made a deal to dodge the grave. The coming destruction will never touch us. And we built a strong refuge made of lies and deception. And the Lord kind of says, oh yeah? Watch this. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm attested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. I will test you with the measuring line of justice and with the plumb line of righteousness. Since your refuge is made of lies, a hailstorm will knock you down. Since it is made of deception, a flood will sweep you away. I will cancel the bargain you made to cheat death, and I will overturn the deal you've made to dodge the grave. When the terrible enemy sweeps through, you will be trampled to the ground. Now this is a prophecy directly to the overthrow of Judah, the carrying away into Babylonian captivity. But it is speaking ahead to the time when Jesus would present Himself as the Messiah to the Jewish people and they would reject Him. He would come to His own and His own would receive Him not. In 70 AD, we know that the Roman general Titus invaded to Jerusalem, and at the prophecy of Jesus, he did not leave one stone upon another of the literal temple that they had built. Their entire nation was ransacked again. So I want you to just understand this idea that when God lays a cornerstone in His kingdom, whether it be the Old Testament temple, the Old Testament nation of the Jews, or the New Testament church, that everything is measured back to the cornerstone. Everything that exists in the kingdom of God has to measure up to the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And everything that is built on a lie or a deception, everything that is built on a foundation that does not begin with Jesus Christ will drift and shift and eventually crumble. Amen. That's what the Bible says. So the Lord says in Isaiah 28, 16 in the King James, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a tried stone, excuse me, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste or shall never be forced to flee. Well, let's break this down just for a couple minutes kind of word by word. He said, I lay in Zion. This is something God does. It will be for a foundation, and it's laid in Zion, the Old Testament Israel, and the New Testament church. It is a foundation that lies at the bottom of everything. It is a stone. It is not a concrete block. It is not a brick like the bricks that the Israelites made when they were enslaved in Egypt. This is something that has been hewn out of the rock and it exists in its natural state. It is not something that man created. It is something that God created. It is a, a stone. It is a tried stone. It's lived the test of time. It's been under pressure and it has never buckled or crumbled or decayed. It is a tried stone. It is 
a precious cornerstone. It's very unique and rare, and it only fits one place in the building of the kingdom of God. It is a sure foundation. It is a solid stone that you can rely on and never worry that it is going to give way. I know that some of you have a little money in the bank and you believe that it is insured, but it is only as good as the insurance. Our economy may be built on some sure things, but everything is shifting sand in this life. But I'm here to declare to you today that Jesus Christ is an anchor you can trust, you can rely on, you can build your life on. He is the anchor of the building of the kingdom of God. Those who trust in Jesus will never be ashamed. In the New Testament, Jesus himself referred to the cornerstone. He told a story to the Jews. He said, there is a man who owned a vineyard and he, he rented it out to other people. And when it was time for him to collect his part of the profit, he sent a servant there and when they saw the servant coming, they beat him and, and didn't give him any of the money. He sent a second servant and the same thing happened. He sent a third servant and they treated him the same way. So finally, the owner of the vineyard said, I'm going to send my son. Last of all, he sent his son. When his son went to the vineyard to collect what belonged to his dad, the owner, they said, well, hey, look. This is the heir of the vineyard. Let's kill him and we'll never have to pay up. And they took him and slew him. Now when Jesus said that, the Jewish leaders kind of knew he was talking about them. Prophets had been sent. They were stoned and killed. Jesus was going to come. He was standing there talking to them. They would reject him, convict him, kill him, bury him, but they could not keep him down because he was the cornerstone that will never, ever crumble. Now this story is so important that it's in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three of what we call the synoptic gospels tell this exact same story of the Jewish rejection of their Messiah, Jesus Christ. But in the book of Luke, Jesus takes this idea and it gives an application of this stone. He says this, of the stone that is the cornerstone. Whoever falls on this stone is going to be broken. But on whomever this stone falls, it will grind him to powder. In other words, what you do with Jesus determines your relationship with the cornerstone, and with your eternity. There's something about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, resurrection, the salvation message. No matter how much you smile, no matter how friendly we want to be, no matter how great our music and worship is, when you come to the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, you have to now reference everything in your life to Him. You have to Fall on this stone and your human will, your desire to run your own life has to be broken to the will of God. There's no way around it. The Bible calls it repentance. It is a change of mind, 
heart and life direction away from sin and toward God. Jesus himself in the garden of Gethsemane when he was facing becoming sin and death. He said, if it be possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Every one of us in this room has come to the cornerstone, the anchor of Jesus Christ, and we have a decision to make. We either fall on that stone and allow our will to be broken and submitted to the divine will of God. We either give up our will to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We have to fall on Him to be broken. And that's choice one. Choice two is saying nothing doing. Not submitting myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Think I'm going to live by the principles of that book? No way. I'll pick and choose how I want to live my life. No one will tell me what to do. Well, Jesus said, and it was really prophetic of these people that He was talking to, you can either fall on the stone and be broken, or it will fall on you and it will grind you to powder. Now I know that that sounds really tough, but I'm quoting the words of Jesus Christ. Now I know that you think that God would never punish anyone forever and ever in a place called a burning lake of fire, but my Bible says God will. That we either come to Him and are broken before Him so we can know salvation that comes from Him, or we can face the judgment of that stone falling on us and grinding us to powder. That's what Jesus said about the cornerstone. After Jesus said that, the Bible said those Jewish leaders tried to, to lay hands on Jesus to, to kill Him, but they feared the people. He was still at a season of popularity in His life. In the letters to the churches, the Apostle Paul wrote about the cornerstone. And he said in Romans 9, that the people, the Jewish people, they, they followed the law, but not with faith. And they didn't seek it in the right way. And they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Now in the Bible, this cornerstone is referred to numbers of times as a stumbling stone. It's something pretty conspicuous and obvious. You can't really get around Jesus. He's just there, and you've got to decide what you're going to do with Him. And Paul said that the Jewish people in the Old Testament, they tripped over Jesus. They stumbled at the stumbling stone and the rock of offense. But Paul said, whoever believes on Him will not be ashamed. Paul said, in fact, we preach Jesus Christ. And to the Jews, to the Greeks, it's foolishness. And, and the Jews are seeking after a sign. But we preach Jesus crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those of us who believe He is the power of God and the wisdom of God. We have fallen on Him. We have been broken at His greatness, and our will has submitted to the will of God, and we have found Him to be the wisdom and the power in our lives. We preach that Jesus Christ, the stumbling block to those who reject Him, and the cornerstone to those who don't. In the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about the stone, the, stone, the cornerstone again. He says that we're no more strangers and foreigners in the church, but we're part of the house of God, and we're built upon the foundation 
of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. And from Him, the building of the church is fitly framed together and we are builded up a holy habitation of God through the Spirit. You've got to start with a cornerstone and you build your life from that. And Jesus asked His disciples one day, who do you say that I am? And they said, well, other people say that maybe you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And, and Jesus said, no, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't get this from a class, but my Father which is in heaven. And then Jesus said to him, you are Peter, which means a little rock, and upon this rock of who I am, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Simon Peter knew what it meant for Jesus to say, there is a rock and upon this rock I will build my church. Every Jew knew that Jesus Christ or the coming Messiah would be that cornerstone. Though Simon Peter gets this idea and he's writing a letter to Christians. And he said, you know, to some, he is disallowed of men, but he is chosen of God and precious, unique and rare. And we are living stones built up into a spiritual house. And he said, whereof it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded or confused. He went on to say that to those that are disobedient, this is the stone that the builders disallowed, and the same is made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to those who stumble at His Word. Now let's break this down just a little bit. There are people who build religion, the Jews did, and they said, you know, here's Jesus, and He's a teacher. Wow, He doesn't fit in our religion as a teacher. Maybe He's one of the prophets, and we're going to make Him a prophet. But Jesus, though He was a prophet and a teacher, He was much more than that. He was God in flesh. He was the chief cornerstone of the church. And what I have learned about Jesus is that if I do not put Him where He belongs in my life, He will make me more miserable than anything else. You know, I just kind of take Him along with me, you know, and I drive and He's the passenger. He helps me out when I'm in a jam or have a mess in my life that I need Him to clean up or wanting to bless my food or heal my body and get me a raise at work. And I've just got my Jesus, me and Jesus. We got our own thing going, you know. And Jesus is not saying that that's the way it is. I don't really fit second place or third place. I, I fit as the cornerstone. And you reference back to me. You, you look back at me and say, 
well, wait a second. Does that value fit the virtues of the Bible? Oh, no. Get it out of my building. If this Is this aligned to the Word of God? Oh, it's not. I repent of that and walk away from that. I am telling you today that people who say they are believers that are not built on the rock, Christ Jesus, are living in a house of cards that will crumble. Amen. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is seeking sand. I've come today to tell you that you can anchor in Jesus and your life will never crumble. You will never have to run from your faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, let's praise the Lord, the cornerstone, Jesus. Amen. I love you, Lord. I give you praise and honor. Oh, why don't you thank Him that you found Him in your life. Thank you, Lord. You need to be seated. Well, national Israel rejected the cornerstone. They said, wow, he just, he's too much trouble. He, he, he makes us keep changing, lining up. He, read the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you've heard it said in all time, but I would say to you, he takes the law to a higher level to internalize it, not just to actions, but to attitudes and inward and outward holiness. God is calling Israel to an alignment to Him, to, to fall on Him and be broken. Jesus dies, is buried, resurrected, ascends back into heaven, sends back His Spirit and the, and the apostles, the, the disciples of Jesus Christ, preach Jesus, resurrected from the dead. Peter and John are going to church 3 o'clock in the afternoon for a prayer meeting. Aren't you glad for people to go to prayer meeting? Corporate prayer in the temple. And they come to the beautiful gate of the temple and, and there's a man laying there. He's been lame forever and, and he's begging for money. Well, Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He reaches down, takes him by the hand, lifts him up. His feet and ankle bones receive strength and he walks and leaps. And he gets to go to church probably for the first time in his life because now he is healed. Because lame men couldn't go in that temple. Well, the Jewish leaders are pretty upset about this because they know that these are the disciples of Jesus Christ. So they call Peter and John in to their council. You know, we got our religion. We don't know about Jesus, but we got our thing going. And they say, we want to know by what power or by what name have you done this? Was it a little abracadabra? You know, how did this guy who has never walked, walk? And how did this happen? And they've got this man sitting there in the middle of them, healed, and everyone knew him that he had never been able to walk. So, the Apostle Peter says back, you know, if today we're being examined by the good deed done to this impotent man, this lame man, by what means he is made whole, be it known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified... He didn't fit. You threw him aside. Whom God has raised from the dead. Even by him, by Jesus, does this man stand before you whole. Jesus healed him. 
And by the way, Jesus, he is the stone that was set aside of you builders, but he has become the head of the corner. And by the way, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Put it on the screen so we can see it. Neither is there salvation in any other. Amen. There's not another name. There's not another religion. There's one way to be saved, one way to go to heaven, and it is Jesus only. Amen. Amen. Now, we're all excited about that. Thank you. To me, it is the most exciting understanding in the world that God became flesh, that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, the head of all things. In Colossians, Paul said that in everything he might have preeminence, the first time, the first place in order and in dignity, that he is the man. He is God, man. But where in the living out of our lives does Jesus really fit? Is He a consultant you call in occasionally when you can't solve the problem? Is He your last resort or your first resource? You know, we used to sing a song when I was a teenager, when you've tried everything and everything has failed. Who wrote that song? Now, I know that some people have tried everything and everything has failed. Try Jesus. But what they're saying is you tried this and you tried that and it didn't work and that didn't work. So you've lived a life of trial and error. Why don't you go back to the very beginning of all things and put Jesus Christ first place in your life, make Him the cornerstone, and then watch the rest of your life be built in harmony and in alignment with the measurement of Jesus Christ. Where in the world does Jesus fit? In the way you make decisions, in the way you adopt values, in the close relationships that you forge in your life, in the decisions about business practices, in the way you raise your family, are you doing that kind of as you think it works or are you going back to the cornerstone and His Word, the Bible, and saying, what does the Bible say? What would the cornerstone tell me to do? And I will tell you, if you will always line your life up to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, according to the Bible, over and over again, you will never, this is the words it used, you will never be forced to flee. You will never be confounded. You will never be ashamed. All those King James words are referring back to Isaiah when they said, we've, we've made lies our refuge. We've got our own thing going. And the Lord said, you're going to be wiped out because of the way you've built your life. When the storm comes, when the floods come into your life, if you are anchored in Jesus Christ, that anchor is in a solid place. It will never let you down, it will never let you go if you anchor in Jesus Christ. Please bow your heads right now. I pray today, Lord, that you would bring to our mind areas of our own lives where we have set you aside, where we have rejected your word. 
Lord, for we thank you for the foundation upon which we can build that is on Christ Jesus. Someone here today, Lord, that has never really made you Lord. Maybe they call you Savior. And they've asked you to pull them out of the pit of sin. But they've never called you Lord to be the director of their entire lives. I pray in Jesus' name today that every one of us would move you into the place, Lord, where you really belong. That you, O Lord, would be the Lord of our lives so that we can know the security, the safety, and the eternal destiny of being a child of God and building our lives based on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. I thank you for your word today. I ask you, Lord, to help someone turn their life around today because of your word and this idea, Lord, that is so vital to our salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Before we stand and before we come and pray, if you're a guest today, it's our custom to all gather at the altar, everyone who is able to come. And spend some time in prayer. And sometimes like this, it's a time of examination. Right? Amen. Ultimately, who's the Lord of your life? Have you fallen on Him? Has your will been broken to His will? Are you just a setup waiting for that stone to fall on you? One day in judgment and grind you to powder. There's a crazy house in California. It's called the Winchester House. It was built by really a lady that was not all there. She felt guilty because a family member invented the Winchester repeating rifle. For all the people that had been killed by that gun, she felt guilty. So there's a rambling house there. There are halls that go nowhere and staircases with dead ends. It's not an escape room because you can't get out of it. It's called the Winchester House. Here's a lady who just kind of, wealthy, wealthy lady, who randomly built just here and there, helter-skelter. No master plan, no design. Just kind of build it as I feel based on superstition. When I look at the lives of some people, it looks like the Winchester house. It's just thrown together here and something over there and there's no theme or design to their lives. They end up reacting to everything that happens to them. They they jump on every new cultural phenomenon or every popular culture event. They just ride that to nowhere. They wonder, how come life is not making sense for me? Would you give up on that? Would you go back and start with the cornerstone? Would you stand right now, please? I said I wanted us to pray again, but while you're standing right there, let's pray. Lord, I want you to please pray your own prayer. I'd like for you to fall on the cornerstone today in your prayer right now. That's it. Lift your voice. And if I got some intercessors here today, and I do, would you pray right now from the bottom of your heart? Jesus in your name. That's it. Ask God to forgive you. 
of mapping out your own life. Ask God for, to forgive you for building by all kinds of whims and philosophies. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> Amen. If you don't mind, look this way just a moment. I want to say a word to all of our church family. That right now is a transactional moment where people are going to make a decision about where they spend eternity. So when we come to this altar, maybe you don't have a personal need and you don't feel like this message was for you, but I can assure you there are people whose eternal destinies can be determined by what happens in the next few minutes. So I would like for you to join me in not a spectator sport called church, but would you pray with me now Find someone and lead them to the Lord. The altars are open. Would you please come this way? And I'm, I'm inviting people to join with me and reaching out to the souls of people who desperately need to be saved. That's right. Please come this way. Would you join us here? Maybe you're more comfortable praying where you are, but please pray where you are. Amen.